so uncomfortable talking about death. I don't think I know anyone personally that feels any differently. But for some reason, I'm the first call when a friend's animal is sick and they need guidance with making the choice to either euthanize or take further steps and push ahead and try and hope for something good to happen. And I'm grateful some of the friends pushed forward and didn't give up. And other times, it was a mistake. And the choice to wait caused even more anguish for their pet. And once the animal passed, guilt and regret set in and became disruptive to the whole process of grieving for these people. Unfortunately, I've experienced too many losses. It's just inevitable. Yet with the many losses, I'm happy to say that I can jump high and give someone up there a high five for giving me the opportunity to open my home and my heart to those beings that are no longer with me in body. I'm not a fan of promoting stuff. I have to believe in and validate the value of that thing before I choose to present it to people that have put their trust in me. And I've been gifted many books to help me heal and work through passing of each of my animals and friends and losses of family members. I was sent a copy of Griffin's Heart and asked if I would be interested in doing an interview with Reagan. So I read the book first. It's short, it's about 120 pages, I think. And I did each of the exercises. I wasn't sure if it would be uncomfortable or boring or just cheesy. It was none of those things. It was mildly cathartic and sweet. And I had a couple of laughs. I laughed to myself when a few of the prompts triggered me to really um, hone in on some funny memories of these little beasts that shared their lives with me. I hope you enjoy this interview. Hey everybody, welcome to the Petropolis Podcast. I am here with Reagan Pasternak. Reagan has written a, it's not a book, it is actually, um, I don't know, how would you put it, Reagan? It's, it's, yeah, it's a memorial, right? Yes, it's, it's, um, it's part memoir. It's my stories are definitely in there and it's, it is, it's a book, but it's also, I call it a healing journal and also a keepsake because there's places for photos and there's exercises that the reader can do with me. So it's, it's a, it's a collage of things. (laughs) It is a tool that we pet lovers can use to help our fellow pet lovers when they have lost an animal um, because it's such a hard thing to deal with. Reagan and I were just speaking about how hard it is to talk about it with a friend. I mean, even though we've gone through it, but when someone else is going through it, it's such a odd and uncomfortable place to be. You don't know what to say. But anyway, well, I'm jumping ahead. Um, Reagan, why don't you tell us a little about yourself first? Why don't we start there? Okay. Well, I am. And originally, I'm originally from Canada. Um, I'm an actress, a film and TV actress, and I um, am a huge animal lover. And so I live in Los Angeles now. But um, when I 
lost one of my, my, I lost a little cat named Griffin who I loved like a baby. <laughs> and he was my first animal that I had as a, as a, an adult. Like I had animals growing up my whole life. And then he was my, my first real responsibility and, um, on my own. And, um, when he died, I got so heartbroken that I, I didn't know what to do because I felt very uncomfortable. Just like we were saying, I felt very uncomfortable talking about it to people. I felt like, oh, it wasn't quite a grief that was necessarily accepted. Um, and I started writing. I started writing and writing and writing about grief and about mourning an animal. And um, and it took me years. I wrote and wrote and wrote and then I would stop. And then, um, and then about two years ago, I committed to finishing this, uh, this project on uh, mourning animals. Yes. So Griffin was a, Griffin was pretty young. Griffin was seven when, when he passed, right? Okay. Yeah. So, and then Devin Rex, the, the, the description of Griffin cracked me up when, when oh. you and your partner died, got your kitty, it cracked me up. I mean, you guys, when you guys read this, you will laugh because you, when you first get a kitten and they're all goofy looking, but Devin's in particular are kind of, Yes. oddball looking oh I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into I was like what is this thing it was he was sticky he was like completely sticky with the with these giant ears and oh my god flying but, saucer eyes and I, yeah. I, loved your, I loved your description it was so sweet <laughs> and uh you suddenly yeah, they get sick and especially at a young age when you don't expect it mm -hmm. and I mean everything that you had written in there about food, wellness, everything you did back and forth with nutrition, you did everything right. Uh, and you even put it out there that you didn't know any better and you got him from um, a breeder. I did. I did. That was before I, you know, fell hard into the rescue world and uh, really understood how, how dangerous certain breeders could be. And, um, um, and honestly, because my, my boyfriend at that time was uh, super allergic to cats. So that was the other thing. So we knew we had to get, we had to figure out a way and Devon Rexes barely have fur and they don't really shed. So that's why we decided on that cat. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think he had, you know, it's funny that you said, um, you know, you did everything right because even now, all these years later, even after writing a book, about it. I still have this pang of, did I though? Did I do everything right? It's, there is so much guilt associated with, with, uh, with losing an animal. It's amazing. It's amazing. After all these years still. That's true. That guilt really could, uh, it paralyzes us. I, I have so much guilt about one of my cats that passed away two years ago. And I keep thinking, oh. did I do it right? Should I have done this? And I work with food and nutrition and wellness and it doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't mean it's ourselves and what we have to deal with emotionally. And and you quote so many great books in in, in your book. Um, one thing you started out with, and I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I, I want to read this. I love um, that. And again, I, I think I said this to you when we first started talking. I don't want this to be somber. I think it needs to be informative, and people need to understand that this is real. You have to deal with the grief and you call it proactive mourning. So I wanna get into that, I think that's really important. Um, but what I wanted to read from your book, you have here um, that you had gone to an Eckhart Tolle event and a man stood up to ask how he could move past the pain that was left behind when his beloved animal died. And yeah. you wrote that it was heartbreaking and all too familiar to watch this man apologetically express his profound sadness 
making disclaimers that you have made yourself when compelled to compare the loss of a pet to a loss of a human. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to go to comparing the loss of a pet to a loss of a human and why we diminish the value of our pets. If you could touch on that and what you discovered and your sister and bear, and there were oh, so God. many things in here that, again, I, I mean, when my dog died, I told everybody there was a death in the family because I, and I put out, had a whole eulogy, everyone that actually knows me and connects with me. I, I'm not around people that don't understand what it is to lose a pet, but I've had some experiences with people that have pets that were really tough to deal with and it diminished my relationship with them because of the way they reacted. So I want to get your take on why it's important for us to, um, be okay with the emotions we have with the loss of a pet, yeah. just like the loss of a human. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's in the book, I have a chapter that's called disenfranchised grief. And I, I love that term. I did not make that term. It's in the book of psychology, but it's, it's grief that is not generally accepted by all of society and, um, animal grief is losing a pet is definitely falls into that category. And you know what? There are wonder, uh, there, there's the chapter. Some people just don't get it. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry about the dinging. And then some people, um, do and, um, and you know, there are going to be people who are going to say things. And when you're hurting from that loss and some people, I mean, I researched nonstop for this book and there are so many people who felt that the animal of losing their pet was almost more, it was harder for some people than losing family members, you know, for human family members. And, um, so, you know, there's just, um, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of grief. And, and as long as you know, and I hope my book does that. And I hope you, I hope people have people around them who can validate that for them because pushing feelings aside is so it's not healthy. It's just not healthy. It's, 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 um, uh, diminishing your grief. It's, it's just not, it's not healthy for us to do that. And, and there are so many people who really do get it. And, understand that grief is grief. And if you are hurting, then it's grief. It doesn't matter what species it is. Um, and I try to, I try to be light with it. I give some examples of, you know, just some fun things that you might want to say to somebody who says the wrong thing, but you know, bite your tongue. And, you know, so I, you know, I try to be lighthearted about it. And, um, I love your say what up. I say what section. It's awesome. I mean, uh, I kept thinking of the worst things to say as I was reading it, you know, uh, someone says, Oh, I'm, I'm really not a cat person. I'm actually a dog person. I love that one. I would say, well, those yeah, the things that came to my mind as I was reading it were I had those things said to me. So that's why I knew that's why I knew like I was like, you know, Reagan, chill, just take a breath and find somebody who really does understand. Um so yeah, and you know, I just like you were saying, you know, I, I hope that my book doesn't feel heavy to people. I hope it doesn't feel only sad because that is actually the point of the whole the whole thing, um, is to unload any painful memories that you have and that's why there's so much space to journal and um get out all of your feelings um and so in and a little in a safe spot in a safe space which is so important and um but i also you know i really try to bring in um 
cognitive behavioral therapies actually that are just ways to actually get your brain to rewire and go you know yeah i feel terrible the way about the way it ended for example or the way you know the sad parts of of uh, or the guilt of i wasn't home enough for them or whatever whatever the case is is for the specific reader um but i want them to rewire it and and there's so much space and um prompts to unlook to start thinking about all the things you did right i felt like when i was doing those exercises after griffin died you know thing it, trying to rethink things it it helped me it helped me so much it helped me feel closer to him it helped me have some closure it helped me um it helped me think okay so i'm allowed to i'm allowed to have some guilt here and there but i also have to remember the good things because you know that's 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 the reality of it. The, the reality is the reason why you're hurting is because there was so much good, you know? That's true. Um, but when it comes on suddenly, I mean, Griffin got sick. Yeah. When you have a young animal that gets sick, and I'd like to jump into, excuse the New York City siren noise <laughs> here, the back, in my podcast, you always get a siren in the background. Okay. I miss New York. <laughs> so that's, there you go. Here you go. Welcome. Welcome back to Midtown. Well, there you go. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you have an animal that's on the younger side and you just don't expect them to go or to get sick, that the heartache seems to be a little bit, a lot tougher rather to deal with. Yeah. And you doubt yourself. And then working with the veterinary community, I think, um, I don't know, what was your... What was your experience with vets? And is there any advice you can give to people who are going through sickness with their pets? And obviously it, the one thing that we know is inevitable in life is death. Mm -hmm. And I guess taxes is the other thing unless you're Donald Trump. So, yeah. All right, $750. But, um, you know, it is inevitable and sometimes you don't want to put the work in or you think the animal's in pain. You get pulled around by the vets. How do we approach our veterinarians? How can they help us? Can they be part of the process? Is that something that you can touch on? You know, I can touch on my own experiences with that. And, and, um, and, I think it's funny we're actually going through that with our with an older cat that we have a stray that we we took in years ago he's he's been a mess he's had he has stomach issues and oh he's like a skeleton now he's so he's so tiny and we've been through the ringer with him right now um and I said to my husband uh a few days ago even just touching on this like we we took him into the vet again and I said you know what like we're going to be spending thousands and thousands more dollars because the vet wanted to keep him there. And, and we know he's in his last stages of it all. And is it worth it? Is it not? Is it, I, is it, am I, am I torturing this animal when he's going to die anyways? And I think much like emergency doctors in a, in a hospital for humans, their job is to keep them alive. I think that's, we have to remember that, that there's no ill intent. Um, their job is to go, we're going to save your animal. And so I think you have to be direct about your financial situation. I think you have to be direct about what you, um, what, what, what you can, what your ex expectations are. And that's the only thing I could say. I can say that my husband and I went through that entire conversation before he took our cat into the vet for the 
seven millionth time in the last couple of years. And we both were like, you know what, this is, we don't, this is the end. Like we know he's much older. I think he's 18 because he's a stray. We don't really know, mm -hmm. but we, we, um, we took him in with all these intentions. My husband comes back going, I just let him do it. It's going to be $4,000 <laughs> because you, you know, you have, it's such a personal decision. And we just, at the end, we love that cat. And we, mm -hmm. we were just like, well, do what you got to do. I don't know if it was worth it. He doesn't seem great. I'll tell you that right now. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. I think the thing is being very, very direct and, um, and asking yourself the questions, what, what am I prepared for right now? What am I prepared to deal with? And, you know, yeah. When, when cost becomes a factor, then I think the guilt kind of drags us down a little bit more. Um, That's true. That's a big one. It's a big one. And actually, you know, even, and to just to be devil, play devil's advocate, um, you know, I'm sure you know this, but vets, vets have a really high suicide rate and a high, high depression rate because they are often having to put down animals that they know they could, could help if there were the means or, and they have to grapple with that. And, you know, so, oh man, it, you know, I, I say, you know, I, I've said this a million times, animals are heartbreakers. They are worth it, but they are heartbreakers. They are, they are, they, they give you so much joy, but there's uh, you know, there are hard decisions to make and that's inevitable, just like taxes, unless you're Donald Trump. <laughs> so it's just, you know, I don't have, I wish I had a better answer for that, but I think it's just one of those things. The end of life is tough. The end of life for a human being is tough. I, I lost my mom last year and that was, you know, that was really tough too, you know, and it was interesting because I was, I was just finishing the book at that time and um, going, wow, I'm, I, I'm, the, the, you know, grief is, the tools, hopefully in my book are also tools that people can just use for grief in general, because, because, uh, I felt like I used them even when my mom died. So, you know, there are, there are hard decisions and there's guilt and there's all that, all that fun stuff, unfortunately, that we have to, uh, we have to deal with. You have excellent prompts in the book that make, that trigger us to kind of sit back and, I mean, I thought of every one of my animals that has passed, um, as I was going through your prompts and I wrote out a bunch of things and um, yeah, dealing again, it, it, that guilt is the strongest that keeps coming up. It's horrible. You know, it's because mm -hmm. we're here left, we're here living and we have to deal with our emotions. If mm -hmm. we don't get past the guilt, then we have other layers of emotions to go through. You didn't start addressing the grief until a while after. You didn't start addressing it until a while later, and you went to see a therapist, right? That is true. I, I didn't know how to address grief. I didn't know. I didn't have a clue how you addressed grief. Personally, I immediately bottled it up because I don't want to discuss it because I don't know how. Yeah, you don't know how, and you don't want somebody to ridicule you, or you don't want to... Uh, feel like, oh, this is taking too long. People really, and with my, you know, I really can say this now because with my mom, I, I almost can say the same things that people kind of are like, okay, are you over, are you over it now? People don't, you know, they don't come out and say it, but it's, it's this thing of, are you ready to come to a Christmas party? Are you ready to go to do this or that? And you're like, you, you, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, people have a hard time dealing with grief. It's, it's an uncomfortable topic. It's something that really, is something it's so personal that mm -hmm. nobody nobody does get it animal person they just people don't really 
can't know how you're fe really feeling or you know what you need. Um, so I, for me, after Griffin died, I kept thinking it, I had a, a physical pain, an actual physical pain. I remembered feeling like my heart feels like glass. It felt like glass after he died, and I couldn't shake it. I just couldn't shake it, and I kept thinking it was gonna go away, and. Um, and it just didn't, honestly, it just didn't. And then other life, you know, dramas were happening at the same time as they do. And it all started um, accumulating and worked itself into some terrible insomnia. And then finally I went to see a therapist who basically kind of told me that the root of all of it was the fact that I hadn't mourned my animal. And um, it still makes me want to cry just thinking about that because it meant so much to me that this incredible professional who, you know, she wasn't an animal therapist or anything like that. She, she immediately thought that I hadn't worked through the grief of my animal and funny enough, working through the grief of my animal helped me work through everything else really, because it just showed me what he had meant to me and what he had what he had cushioned for me in life, my, my, that little cat, cause he had been such comfort to me. So him being gone, I had to deal with the things that he was kind of absorbing for me. Um, you know, just family drama, work drama, all that kind of thing. And, um, and it's actually a beautiful thing to be, to be honest, um, to work through that and, and get to that place. Cause you start realizing how intricate and incredible life is really. And what animals, um, can do for us and what they take away uh, in terms of pain and what they bring to us in terms of joy. And once you work through that stuff, you realize how, how amazing it is. And it's on, it's down, you know, when you're journaling these things out, it's on paper and it's, it's amazing. I, I don't know how else to say it. It gets, it's that, it's that saying, um, the way out is through. Karen Dawn from the Farm Sanctuary. Yes. Do you know who she is? I I do. I, I do know who she is. She's a pretty amazing human being. She Can really you talk is. about, just give us a little overview perspective of your experience with Karen Dawn at the Farm Sanctuary and the statements she made about um, human suffering versus animal suffering. I mean, I, I thought that was brilliant. And I think it's really important for people to hear this. Um, and get a taste of what you have in your book because it all you bring it all together beautifully and you give us a workbook where we can put all our emotions out. You give us the prompts and the triggers to be able to put it all out there and get through this. Some of us need to do it alone. Others, we can share it later with someone or actually use it, use your book to help us in how we deal with our living animals and potential issues that may come up. Well, what's so funny is that Karen Dawn is, is like this hero to me and um, she has no idea I exist. Um, she is a hero in the animal rescue world and she's an author. I was lured by my cousin to go to this, this farm sanctuary place. Just, you know, like it's like a petting farm for rescued animals. And um, really my cousin was getting me there because she wanted me to hear about farm because I I'm so squeamish about hearing any animal abuse or anything like that I get so worried I've been a vegetarian my whole life but um even I didn't really understand what veganism was or I didn't understand any of that by the way the book is not a big it's not a commercial for veganism don't you know not at all but she, but no but she but that but Karen Dawn is is you know very you know she educates you on factory farming and and a million other 
forms of antelope abuse. Anyways, I went to this, this, uh, this place with my cousin and she was one of the guest speakers. I found her, um, so grounding and, um, she said, which I say in my book, my capacity for compassion is not human specific, is not species specific, sorry. Um, and I absolutely just, it stuck with me. It stuck with me that, you know, we, we don't need to compare um, the love that we have for a human to an animal. We don't need to compare the grief that we have for an animal to anything because it's, 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 it's all important. It's all valid. And um, really that, that, that day was so life-changing for me, for what I, what I thought about, what I, how I ate, all those things really, really impacted me and made me a much more mindful person. So that's the only kind of, um, I believe that, I believe that compassion is our, our superpower. I really do. I feel like if we were all just a bit more compassionate, everything would be better. And it sounds so flaky and cheesy, but it's actually just true. It's just true. Especially now, I think, I think a lot of people are realizing it because they've had time to ponder being stuck at home, um, not able to do a lot of things we used to just jump on, jump in the car or jump on the subway and go out. I mean, the premise of, of the um, Karen Dawn uh, comment was a man in the audience actually raised his hand and asked a question of her. He said, how do you justify dividing so much of your time and resources to animals? when there are actual people who are suffering. And, and what you just said is that, that her compassion is not species specific. It is so important for all of us to connect to. But it's just, you know, it's, it's about being compassionate. It and is. it has, it's to stop suffering all the way through. Us as humans, if we can give back and not allow an animal to suffer, mm -hmm. our lives will be better for it. So those are important things. And then, yeah, and um, you also talk about the law of converse, conservation of energy. <laughs> yes. So those, so, that, that's a great thing. And just jump on that one as well. I really want to. You know, what's so funny. I've been asked this a few times since I've been doing press for the book and I, um, I've been asked, what is my favorite, what's my favorite part of the book? And I keep saying general answers, but if I'm being honest, that's my favorite part of the book. That is my favorite chapter in the book. Um, because I talk in the book about how I wasn't really raised with religion. I'm obsessed with Christmas, but I'm actually Jewish. If I like culturally, I'm Jewish, but I'm a, you should see my house. It is insanely Christmas, Christmasified. That's a word. Um, but um, I am very, very, um, I love hearing about spirituality and I, I, I don't subscribe to any specific um, philosophy, but I, I love hearing about them and I'm always fascinated. I grew up with a very academic family who, you know, and my husband's staunch atheist and, but I love hearing about all of it. So I, so that book kind of sums up, what does the afterlife mean? I feel like it would have been, and my editor, I first wrote a tiny little chapter on the afterlife and she said, no, 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 you're going to expand that, go back. That's, that is far too flippant and that's an important, um, that's important for people. So I felt very vulnerable being honest about my beliefs and my lack of, you know, knowledge about, about all that kind of thing, to be honest. And so I, 
I dove into what I really believe in that chapter and um, the law of conservation of energy, because that can be applied whether you are very religious, if you are spiritual, or if you are just a scientific mind, because the law of conservation of, of, um, of energy states that no energy can be neither be created nor destroyed. And, um, and I, I talk about this NPR interview that I read, that I listened to, and um, it stuck with me for so many years about just how you would want a physicist to speak at your funeral because it, because it brings in, you know, what that, that we're never really gone. And um, I just explore that and the reader is able to interpret that hopefully in any way that brings them peace. And um, for me, it brings me so much peace with Griffin at the idea that he's not gone, the idea that my mom is not gone. Oh, I could cry. It's just amazing. It's amazing. So you, people can take what they want from it, but I, um, I tried to be really honest and I tried to be, uh, um, vulnerable in that chapter and explore it. And I, I actually learned so much from exploring it. What happens in the afterlife? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Did, did you ever read the book Some by David Engelman? Like Stories little... of the Afterlife. Oh, no. He's a neurophysicist. Oh, so. no. oh, I have to read it. I'm going to write it down it's now. So I do brilliant. Know. And it's <gasps> essentially little short snippets of just what S-U-M-E, the book, S-U-M by David oh, Engelman. Some. Okay. Um, by David Engelman, who is a neurophysicist. I, you know, these are the little things and you, the takeaways that you have in your book from everything that you've captured is so important um, because so many things I related to between Eckhart Tolle, Lori Gottlieb, everything that you had listed um, in, in you exploring how we deal with death and what the possibilities are after life. I, I found it sweet and very different than any other um, book that's out there for pet owners. So um, first of all, it is a tool, um, but it's not just about their energy. It's not just about that. It's about dealing with it now. It's, It's giving us so many resources. I absolutely love Griffin's Heart. Pet parents, pet owners, um, have loved an animal and they're still grieving. And even if you're not grieving, I think it's one of the best books that you can have in your library and use and just open up every so often and read what you wrote. Um, and it's a great gift. But as far as gifting books, this is, I, I think I, I need to get, as soon as it's out, can you tell me when the book is going to be out? Oh, so things got held up. We thought it was going to be before Christmas and now it looks like it's going to be just in the new year. So um, but you can go to griffinsheart.com and click notify me and we will email you. And I will have a link up for the, for the website on the show notes. And I think everyone needs to get a couple of copies of this so they can have it for their friends in need. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm going to be getting a couple of copies for friends who just recently lost their pals. And I'm going to dedicate this show to them to... All of them, uh, Zimmy, Nookie, Domino, um, God, there's Bear, Baby Gray, there's so many, Bobby, so many losses just the last couple of weeks. So this show is dedicated to all my friends who have lost 
They're angels. They're always going to be with us. Thank you, Reagan. Thank you.